0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So you ever been walking down the street, minding your own business, whistling a happy little tune, things are going great, then all of a sudden you just fall through an empty manhole cover and into a sewer? Actually, that may be a bit extreme, but that's pretty much what happened to Tyler McGill and the Mets' bullpen yesterday at Citi Field. From a good, tight, pitching-rich matinee to a pie fight in one inning, the Mets lost their way, then lost the game against Atlanta 9-2. A recap ahead, it is Mets in the Morning. Mets in the Morning Mets in the Morning Oh yeah Mets in the Morning Tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing. Now, oh, here's Josh Lewin. Oh, Scootily down. Mets in the morning. It is my name is Chickie. My name is Cha Cha. My name is Boom Boom Boom. Yeah, I'm on TikTok now, and apparently that's the entire platform is that thing. Actually, my name is Josh Lewin, and I will be your tour guide for the next 20 minutes or so. We'll recap the Wednesday afternoon game at City Field against the Braves, and we'll preview the four-game series that starts tonight down in Philly on Cinco de Mayo. What was that lyric from Mexican radio by Wall of Voodoo. I wish I was in Tijuana eating barbecued iguana. And I'm not sure if that's insensitive or just stupid. I think I'll go with stupid. It's just a lazy rhyme for Tijuana by a band that really should know better. Not the worst 80s song lyric, though. If you're scoring at home, forgive the rabbit hole, but uh, Robert Palmer gave us Your Heart Sweats in Addicted to Love, which is just really gross. Not to mention when Duran Duran rolled out, I Smell Like I Sound in Hungry Like the Wolf. I Smell Like I Sound? What exactly does 80s British pop rock smell like? My guess would be uh, hairspray, cigarettes, alcohol. Maybe some of Robert Palmer's sweat. Anyway, uh, there was a game at City Field Wednesday afternoon. I'm vamping a bit because it didn't go real well, though it started pretty pretty nicely, pretty well. But I'm distracted. I've got to tell you guys, before I, I wrap up the game for you, this will probably come across as a bit of a humble brag, and I apologize, but the, the single best thing about doing podcasts as opposed to play-by-play is you can do a podcast from anywhere. Not that I don't love being at City Field on a lovely Wednesday afternoon watching baseball live and in person. I had seven fantastic, blessed years of that working with future Hall of Famer Howie Rose and uh, Chris Majkowski, Wayne Randazzo, Seth Everett for a year, Ed Coleman, of course. Magical times, happy memories. But podcasting uh, has allowed my longstanding vacation plans to stay in order with Mrs. Metz in the morning. I have tweeted out the pick of where I was doing this podcast from last night. Let's just say Lake Como in Italy shares very little in common with Flushing Queens, just from an aesthetics perspective. I am coming to you plausibly live, I crap you not, from the end of a driveway of a and b so as not to disturb the other, well, mostly Dutch and German guests. I got to watch Tyler McGill deal in once again on MLB.com's transmission of SNY, while the wife emptied a bottle of Chardonnay and tried to learn some Dutch to to keep up. So anyway, apologies for the lack of the, uh, the studio quality recording here, but I am literally talking to you from high atop a mountainside up above a lake. I mean, come on. But uh, once again, this Mets game became the Tyler McGill show pretty quickly. It's a one-time eighth-round pick who was supposed to be pitching for Syracuse by most accounts this year. And, of course, only because Jacob deGrom got hurt did this way-chill Southern Californian get his shot. And how about four no-hit innings to begin this start against the defending World Series champions? Now, tack that on to the five no-hit innings from his last start Yeah, that's nine innings in a row without a hit. That's a no-hitter spread over five days' time. But a Francisco Lindor error preceded the Braves' first-base hit in the top of the fifth, a scoreless game at that point, by the way. And then a clean single to left by Adam Duvall to put the Braves in business. But McGill worked out of the jam. So few hitters are squaring up his fastball. Last year, big league hitters slugged 494 against that pitch. 11 of the 19 home runs he allowed were on that pitch. This year, so far, that slugging percentage against the fastball is not 494, it's 262. One home run allowed on it. In 270 pitches thrown. He has simplified his delivery. He's ditched his windup pretty much entirely. And it helps that his velocity is up a full two miles an hour from a year ago as well. So the game stayed scoreless until... Well, and in fairness, I got to point this out. It looked like Jeff McNeil had homered early in the game into the right field corner. At one time, Gill Heredia made a leaping, wall-crawling catch to rob him. So it was 0-0 until, indeed, all hell broke loose in the top of the sixth. Now, Atlanta leads the majors in strikeouts so far, and McGill had racked up nine of them. In his first five innings. I gave him 36 for the year in his first 33 innings. But in this top of the sixth, when he really could have used that 10th strikeout, it simply never came. With one out, infield single from Austin Riley... Base hit to right for Marcel Orzuna. Ozzy Albies a single to load the bases. Buckshow Alter takes Tyler McGill out to a huge ovation. Adam Ottavino in. He would not leave with the the same kind of ovation because it all got blown sky high with poor Adam on the mound. Travis Darno walked with the bases loaded to break the stalemate. Duvall a double to left to score two more. A wild pitch brought in another run. Dansby Swanson singled to right. Five to nothing at that point. Heredia walked. Acuna singled to right. Finally, Matt Olson grounded to first, but that allowed another run to creep across. 7-0 Atlanta. 7. The name George Costanza came up with. The name is Kid. The Mets had just thrown three shutouts in their last eight games. Had another one cooking on the stove in this game. Then, not only did the pot lid fly right off the pot, the whole kitchen caught on fire. Because by the time the flames were extinguished, he had three runs charged against the ledger of McGill, Uh, All given up by Ottavino. And Ottavino, yikes, he could use a distraction. Three batters faced, three runs allowed. Trevor Williams got the final two outs of that inning, but he allowed one of those runs himself. So, yeah, seven runs, sixth. The Mets had allowed just nine sixth-inning runs all year. Then they allowed seven in a stretch of 20 minutes. By the way, if you want to watch the Mets kick some serious butt this year, do not go to the bathroom in the fifth inning. Hold it in. Uh, if you need a closed pin, get one. Hold it in because the Mets have scored or outscored their opponents now 22-3 to in fifth innings this year. I don't know why that is, but I'm just putting it out there for you. So it was 7 nothing Braves and things were pretty much in hand at that point. Trevor Williams at least saved the bullpen. He threw 53 pitches and got the last 11 outs. But the Braves scored twice more, as did the Mets, including a Luis Giorme home run. Eventually, your final 9-2. Two. Marte, two hits, and that was some good news. But bad news arrived even before the game. Trevor May had his sore arm looked at. It is a stress reaction to his right humorous. And nothing funny about that. He could be out a good two, even three months, not weeks, months. So yeah, that's two right-handed relievers in this series down for the count. First Sean Reed Foley, now May, who is being counted on to get some big outs in the seventh and eighth, a la Seth Lugo. A move or two is coming in that Mets bullpen. The Mets fall to a still outstanding 18-9. and McGill, despite another four no-hit innings and the nine strikeouts in that time, he takes his first loss of the year. And we should mention Ian Anderson was pitching brilliantly for the Braves. He had his shutout into the bottom of the sixth. He was finally chased when Pete Alonso doubled with one out in that inning, then got doubled to home by Eduardo Escobar. That's Escobar's ninth double already. Only Yuri Gurriel of Houston and the Braves' Matt Olson have more. Did you know the Mets' Choo-Choo Coleman Once had a season, the 1963 season for the Mets, where he played in 106 games, came to the plate 277 times, and had zero doubles. Zero. He had three home runs, he had 44 singles, no doubles, no triples in 106 games. That is impossible. But somehow old Choo Choo made it happen in 1963. After the game, Buck Showalter met the media talking about having used Adam Adovino for a third straight day, among other things.
1: Probably he had two short, real short outings, and uh, with his, his ball's really been come out of his hand well. You know, not much margin for error there with the bases loaded. Veteran guy that we could get out of that one or two. We might have a shot, but we weren't able to do it. You know, it, it a tough thing, it makes statistically Tyler's outing look a lot different than it actually was key outing to today other than Tyler's first five was uh, Trevor Williams. It's kind of a byproduct of you know, had, having to compete with our guys yesterday to win those two games. So you know that's why when you're the season progresses and you see these scheduled double headers, you know, it's a, you're actually able to maintain your bullpen a little bit more in a losing cause than you are in a winning cause. But we'll take the two wins yesterday and against a very good team and move on to another good team in Philly. So, uh, no, it's just, uh, you know, he's been throwing the ball well-forced today. You know, some things. He got into some counts where he had to throw some pitches where he didn't want to.
0: When you're going through the, def- the decision-making process there, how much of a factor does the, the fact that, it's you know, the third day in a row for him go into it and how much do you just kind of balance that he's the matchup, he's the the righty down there, especially with, with May down.
1: Uh no, we, we talk about for every game about where we are and he felt good today. He's the guy that had the least stress last two outings. We had didn't have Drew and uh, Lugo late, one up, one in, all of them are one up, one in with no you know, we, uh, byproduct of yesterday, kind of where we were. We knew we had uh, Trevor and uh, uh, Adonis for some length if we needed it. But, uh, you know, Tyler gave us a good chance to win. We just, you know, just kind of got there. First of all, trying to hold them down as long as we had. He was in the third or fourth time, third time through the order. And uh, it was a good hitting thing. I don't think, uh, like I said before the game, you know, after yesterday, you know that, you know, they're going to come out trying to even up the series. Tony? How much does not having Trevor May now for a period of time make that bullpen mix more difficult to manage, just knowing that that's one one less yeah. veteran arm down there? Well, it's more about, uh, you know, somebody will get an opportunity now. Um, probably start trying to, you know, the only reason we pitched uh, Drew yesterday two innings, we're trying to win a game, and we're trying to uh, stay away from pitching everybody. You can't pitch the same... You know, it's you got to pass the load around, and um, you know it's a piece that we were counting on um, that won't be with us. But uh, you know, it's a great opportunity. You know, there's an opportunity to present itself for Drew Smith, and we'll have we got some people down there that we think can uh, help us down there also if we need them. That are you know we're trying to stay away from, let them develop and get to a point where they can contribute, but. Uh, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. Keep uh, pitching. You know, with our starters like that, it, it won't be as much of a challenge. But uh, that's gonna be hard to continue. You know, uh, Tyler get an extra day next time out. He's only working on four today, which is normal rest. But we're trying to. You know, looking at where his innings are gonna get. You know, so we're gonna try to manage that too. So there's a lot of balls in the air that we're trying to be aware of. Laura. Uh, do you keep out of, you know, in there if you don't have the three batter minimum rule, or would you like to take him out earlier? Uh, no, he's a good match up there like he was last night and did a great job. And actually, he's been pitching pretty well for us. But, uh, no, there's not many options for us because we used a lot of people to win two games yesterday. Uh, the whole, I was thinking today, I wonder how many left-handed pitchers Olsen sees after the seventh inning with their bat in order. Bet he sees less left-handed pitchers. He can hit left-handers too, but because of the three-hitter minimum, I don't think he's. I'll bet you he's not seeing much left-handed pitching from relief pitching. Hey, it was a guy like who was say I think last year Harper didn't see any right-hand pitching after the seventh inning for like two months one time. He doesn't have that issue with their uh, with their lineup. Do you like that rule? Of course not. (laughs) Nobody. Stupid question. Nobody in a dugout likes it. And it really had not made games any faster. I mean, go figure. I'm not real sure what the, you know, it's one of those that sounded good on the surface, but really doesn't work. I don't think the game's been shortened a lot. No. It's actually, it's actually hurt some people. If I was with the union, it's actually hurt some uh, jobs. So to speak. And you look at left-handers completely different now. And we were talking about a couple guys in spring training really couldn't make the club because that's, that's the thing with Shreve with the split and Joelly with the changeup. That's why they're, they're making clubs. All
0: right, there's the skipper. Again, the Mets cannot come up with a win on Wednesday at City Field. They are no longer undefeated in series played this season. They had been in attention getting 7-0. and They are now 7-0 and 1. as they split a four-game series with the Braves. So they still haven't lost a series, which is good. A look ahead to the next Met series coming up. We'll do that after this.
1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA AM member FDIC.
0: Four against the Phillies starting tonight down there. That'll mean 10. 10- of the season's first 32 games will have been against the Joe Girardi's. Joe's former team, the Yankees, getting the same kind of love and attention in the AL that the Mets are getting in the NL. And if you're thinking ahead, the interleague games against the Yankees this year are July 26th and 27 at Citi Field. That's a Tuesday and a Wednesday. August 22nd and 23rd in the Bronx. That's a Monday and a Tuesday. Who knows if both teams will still be flying this high once those dog days of summer come around. But for now... Those seem like dates you got a circle if you got a wall calendar or something. The the Phillies, meantime, they'll have the big bats ready, starting with the reigning National League MVP, Bryce Harper. And if there was a way to quantify most career hype, I think you could do a lot worse than pointing to this guy. He was on the cover of SI as a teenager, was picked number one overall, won Rookie of the Year 10 years ago. He's been a, an MVP twice now. He's not even 30 years old. It seems like he's 35 at least, right? Because we've been talking about him forever. And there's a lot of things that the the Phillies do wrong. Uh, Bryce Harper's doing everything right. Except for this. I'm going to throw this out. He has swung at the first pitch in 51% of his plate appearances this year. That's second to highest in the National League. When he was MVP last year, he swung at the first pitch less than 40% of the time. So maybe he's trying to do a little too much right now. He's seeing a lot more off-speed and breaking pitches than ever before. That's probably a pretty good idea. Got to talk about some other guys on this team, too. JT Real Muto has still never made the playoffs. And the Phillies have gone the longest in the National League, 10 years and counting, without reaching the postseason themselves. Philadelphia gave him the highest per-year contract for a catcher in history to stick around, and we know he's obviously a pretty talented player too. Nick Castellanos, since 2018, leads the majors in doubles. No Choo-Choo Coleman, he also leads in extra base hits, would you believe? Yeah, we never talk about this guy, but he does. Kyle Schwarber, of course we got to talk about Kyle Schwarber. Because against the Mets, all he's done is hammer 16 homers in 36 games against them. That's a record. But more to the point, if you go back just to uh, the last, I guess, what, uh, 13 games, it's one homer every three and a half at-bats against the Mets. That's that's one per game. Got to pitch him inside, right? Although, well, he had a Mets pitcher try to do that recently and get suspended for his trouble. Anyhoo, it's a four-game series starting On Thursday night, tonight, your pitchers, uh, well, for the Mets, anyway, that one we know. Taiwan Walker, last start, was against Philadelphia, coming back off the I.L. Held the Phillies scoreless over five innings, allowing just two hits, two walks. Only struck out one, but pitch-to-contact seemed to be working. All three of his starts this year now will have been against these Philadelphia Phillies. The more you know. All right, let's get to know our Mets in the Morning house band. Since the music is up, I was kind of hoping a, a gondolier would come on by and then do a little uh, that's amore or something. Although, full disclosure, uh, when I, I did the gondolier thing uh, in Venice on this Italy trip, this is a true story. Our, our gondolier was from Mexico. His name was Paco, uh, and he spoke basically no Italian. So that, you, you just never know in life, do you? Mets in the Morning house band, here you go. On keyboards, that's Dylan G. Yes, everything's in the key of G. Slapping to bass and slapping it real hard is Sid Fernandez. The horn section, that's David Segui. And on drums, Logan Verrett. This is Josh Lewin. Appreciate you listening. Arrivederci. Talk to you soon. Let's go, man.